if you're heading up or you're facing challenge or adversity, don't steer away from it. Go towards it with 100 miles an hour and just beat it down. And so I find when I put myself in those uncomfortable situations and when there is an obstacle, I tend to go, I steer, I, I consciously now steer towards it. If there's a phone call I know I, I need to make, but I don't want to. If there's a conversation I need to have, whether it's with a customer, you know, a fellow employee, my wife, always do the hardest things first because then everything else will be much easier and there will be much less pain. The oil and gas industry, the driving engine of the world economy, delivering prosperity, innovation and abundance across the globe. Here are the stories of its key players, directly from the leaders themselves. This is Bulwark's Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, where real experiences are passed on from the leaders of today to the leaders of tomorrow. Here is your host, Paige Wilson. Welcome to this week's episode. I'm sitting here this afternoon at the Capital Girls City Center with my guest, Justin Gauthier, account manager at AES Drilling Fluids and host of the Oil and Gas Onshore podcast, as well as the Flowline podcast. Two podcasts, bro. What's up? Yeah, well, you know, I, I never thought I would actually be on multiple podcasts. I always wanted to do one. But yeah, just the opportunities came up to be on multiple and I actually have another one that I'm working with as well with is called KTX Life with for our gym out in uh, Katy. Oh, so, yeah? Yeah, like... If I could make money doing it, then I would definitely quit my day job and just Well, t- you kind of make money off of one of them. So, so, so far, so good. Yeah, no, it, I'm well on my way, but I still have to sell dirt in a bag, which is my real <laughs> job. So, But until I can talk on a microphone and make just as much money, if not more, then I'm definitely heading that route. Good deal. Good deal. So how are you? Doing well. It's a beautiful day. Shoot, just everything's been great. You know, uh, 2019 has been good. It's a great time to be in the oil field right now. So I can't complain at all. Good, good, mm-hmm. good deal. Before we really get into it, I wanted to ask everyone to support the show by leaving a review so I can read it on the air and and thank you. So, Justin, let's talk about how you got started in the oil and gas industry. Sure. So, <laughs> it's it's a story I've told before because people have asked me and it starts actually back when I was 18 in high school. I had my cousin, John, who worked for FMC at the time. He uh, came to visit me in Vernon, British Columbia, which is where I'm from, for the holidays and it was a Christmas in my senior year of high school and he he said, you know, so what are you doing after high school? And I said, I don't know, but I just want to go out and make money. I mean, that's what life's all about, right? And uh, I want to party and, and play sports and <laughs> have fun with my friends and somehow make a career of it. And he said, oh, yeah. And I said, yeah, well, in fact, it sounds kind of like what you do. And at the time, he was selling wellheads for FMC. And uh, he always told me about how he was going on all these hunts and trips and you know, I just got back from this, you know, this island or this vacation with my customers. And he always threw in, oh, with my customers. And I said, well, John, give me a job when I'm done high school. I can do that. I can entertain (laughs) people very well. And I could definitely make money doing it. I said, sign me up. And he said, oh, you want to get in the oil field? I said, absolutely. So anyway, he, he basically convinced me to go to a training course which was kind of like a roughneck training course in Nisku, Alberta. And so here I thought I was going to downtown Calgary to <laughs> live the high life. No, he led me down the path to going to work in drilling rigs. So when I was 18, my buddy and I, we hopped in a truck and headed out to Nisku, did the training course. And yeah, he, I started off with precision drilling awesome, yeah. right away. And he went to Phelps, which got bought out by Patterson. Yeah, he's still in oil and gas as well as I. So that's kind of where it all started, you know, 
turning wrenches and throwing tongs on a conventional triple Kelly rig. So not even with the top drive. So for everyone out there who's familiar with drilling rigs, yeah, it's one of the sort of somewhat old school rigs out there, but I doubt it's even around. But that's where it all started. Probably in a in a yard somewhere. It's probably yeah, it's in a yard or it's gotten multiple pieces taken off of it and patched up on other (laughs) other rigs actually it's funny because i remember i was roughnecking and you know you're cleaning and you're repainting and and if you chipped long enough you'd go through multiple layers of paint in different colors and oh yeah yeah it was the rig i think was like originally built in like like the 60s or something like that and that was in 2004 so quite a while but it had went from like one company bought it out another company bought them out and then just got repainted and repainted so it was like orange and blues and Everyone knows the ugly PD green, obviously, but <laughs> there was multiple layers from the rainbow underneath that PD green. So it had had some history to it. it for sounded sure. like it needed to be cored. Yeah. <laughs> Just to see where it's been. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, exactly. Right. So, uh, but yeah, that was it. And then realized I didn't want to be, you know, in the field for the rest of my life. So I went back to school in Calgary and then uh, got hired on with Canadian Energy Services and transferred into the U.S. What'd you get your degree in? Petroleum engineering technology. And okay. so here in the States, I don't even know what it would be called. It's like someone, I guess it's like uh, an associates in petroleum engineering, but it's not considered an associates in Canada. So anyway, it's a two-year engineering degree. So it's not a four-year. I can't consider myself a professional engineer, nor would I want to because I'm not that smart. To say oh, that, <laughs> don't sell yourself short. <laughs> oh, I'm not smart, but I work my ass off, so I think it compensates. Okay, but anyway, so yeah, went did that and then got on with a service company, which is a drilling fluids company, and been on the drilling fluid side ever since. Awesome. Yeah. So, 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 how long have you been with AES? AES, I started with them in 2009. So the Canadian company is CES. So start with them in 2009 and transferred in the states in 2010. So technically AES since 2010. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it's a parent company is the Canadian company. So I got you. I got yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. It's been a good ride. I like it down here in the states. I was funny. It was growing up. I told my buddies I would somehow either work marry or play sports in the states and yeah i somehow did it and now i'm here and my buddies would laugh they're like yeah you told us in like elementary school you wanted to go to the u.s for some whatever reason and so it's one of those things where if you if you think about it long enough and you really set your mind to something like subconsciously the universe will make the stars align to make it happen (laughs) as long as you work hard enough to go you know do it yeah anyway kind of funny because i kind of told my own future i like to say that's pretty cool yeah that's pretty cool (laughs) kind of weird but whatever yeah uh, well it's not fun unless it's weird so yeah exactly. <laughs> hopefully everyone listening is uh, ready to put their seatbelts on because it's probably going to be a different one than you're used to but that's okay i don't know i interviewed josh robbins a while back oh so. yeah that's a blast <laughs> and uh, it really was it really josh was. is a he's a great time he does great at what he does and just a very entertaining person to be around and you had him on the onshore podcast didn't you yeah i did yeah, yeah that's what yeah. i thought yeah right before nape i believe Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's usually when he shows up and yeah. boom, then it's like, where is he? Yeah, I think he had like 60 or 70 meetings lined up in three days. Yeah. I, thought, I thought he was bluffing. And then he literally showed me his phone in the calendar and like named the people that he was seeing for the rest of the day. And I was like, you are on another level, dude, because somehow yeah. how do you manage all that? But yeah, he does it. He loves it. He's a hustler. Like he's the definition of hustle. Well, and speaking of it. that, coffee's for closers, right? Mm. You're drinking that. I drink some coffee today. I actually sold some mud. So uh, yeah, Good I deserve a cup of coffee. Yeah, absolutely. So now that we've established where you started, let's let's talk about some of the challenges that you've had to go through to, to, to get to here. So, I mean, I guess there are several. I mean, starting back, I mean, so I grew up in BC where like I didn't grow up on a farm I didn't grow up very mechanically inclined so one of the first challenges early on is I went from 
you know, being in high school, having fun, whatever, to working on a drilling rig and, and experiencing the adversity of a being the youngest person on the drilling rig, not being very mechanically inclined. So a lot of this, like a lot of my peers in that, that space were farmers. It was just kind of, you know, from either from Alberta or Saskatchewan, but a lot of them had an idea of what it, all the tools meant. And so going into it, not knowing that was, was very challenging. So it was very humbling. So I guess that would be one of them. And then going back to school after working and making really, you know, pretty good money for an 18 year old, yeah, you know, financially that was challenging. You know, I could have easily just dropped out. Like I had to upgrade because I didn't do well in high school. So, you know, going into back to school where I was the oldest because yeah. <laughs> I ended up going back yeah. and not doing very well in high school. So I had to upgrade with people that were, you know, four or five years younger than me. And so it was kind of an, not embarrassing, but again, a humbling experience to then, you know, going into sort of the corporate world at a pretty early age, being the youngest person. So it was, I felt like trying to like have to prove myself yeah. time and time again, getting on the sales side, being young, not, you know, I had the experience, but the gray hair, the gray hair factor, people always told me, oh, you're going to, it's going to be tough. Like you don't have the gray hair factor. So really having to go above and beyond and just create value in other ways than just having the perceived value of mm-hmm. being in the industry for X amount of years. Like I had the years under my belt because I looked like a baby on location or a baby in the office. It was always like, you know, just it, you kind of had to prove yourself to either the customer, the people you were working with just to gain the trust. So that part was been challenging. And then in sales, everyone, you know, knows you get shut down left, right and center. So and in business development, you know, taking no for an answer, that's challenging. Yeah. And and on top of that, drilling fluids is very chemistry oriented. And I did very poorly with chemistry. <laughs> I did uh, too, I yeah. have to say. There's a lot of gray area in drilling fluids. Similarly, anything downhole related, there's a lot of gray area because you can't quantify a lot of the a lot of the things that are going on. It's hard. It's not black and white. And I'm a pretty binary type person. It's yeah. either yes or no white or black, like I have a hard time kind of dancing in the middle. So <laughs> that has been a challenge for me. So there's been a few, but yeah, to, to name them, I mean, that those would be probably th- the biggest ones for sure. Who's the coolest person you've had on your podcast so far? On my podcast? Yeah. Oh, I don't want to put any names out there to make anyone upset, but I, that's a great question. I like to say, so Justin Bannonbrink, he's a, actually a gentleman from up in Canada. He was very entertaining. He, we had good dialogue. I learned a lot from him and he's very successful what he does from a business development standpoint. So I learned a lot personally, but yeah, I would say he's one that sticks out. Josh, of course, we had a blast on his. That That's kind of where I got indoctrin- indoctrinated, is that a word? Uh, mm-hmm. Into yeah. the Coffees <laughs> for Closers hustle movement. He, yeah. kinda, he schooled me up on that. So those two definitely stand out. But Everyone that I've brought on has just been so unique and they come from all walks of life. I learn something every time I sit in front of someone and ask the right questions. So everyone that's come on my podcast are like, you know, just extremely neat people, bring a lot of experience and a lot of nuggets to share. And actually one of them, sorry, just one came up. So Jared Zabransky, he Mm -hmm. was the 2007 Fiesta Bowl offensive player of the game for that game, which was... Anyone who knows football, it was Boise State versus Oklahoma, and they won in overtime by this, like, it's called, like, the Statue of Liberty touchdown. Well, anyway, he was the quarterback who who, did, who made the play, and he's a buddy of mine. So that was really neat. More from, and he works for distribution now. 
and but he brought a lot of unique just storytelling and, and just a lot of information with regards to character building and you know how he transitioned from being a professional football player to what he does now in his career but just it was just very fascinating to hear someone that's played you know at such a high level sports and how a lot of it relates to life. So that's one, if anyone's listening out there, those are the top three that I would say bring a lot of value and just like really good information out of. Well, it's it's great that he had a plan B after, yeah. after football. <laughs> and he did. Yeah, he he set out to, uh, he, he knew he wanted to become an entrepreneur. So he started a business and one thing led to the next and someone from NOV recognized some of his sales talent or he recognized that he would be good in a certain position. So he, he made him a mock or basically made him do a mock interview with a presentation to some parents for like a football camp. Mm-hmm. He did it and uh, he barely blew it out of the like just knocked it out, out of the water. And so, yeah, he ended up getting a position doing sales, but he he already had things lined up and he he's on real estate. He's got a gym up in Boise. And so, yeah, he definitely digs. A lot of people, you know, were that to play on that level, make really good money. And then, yeah, they don't have a plan B. And so they struggle to kind of find out who they are. Like, who do I identify as? Because like football or basketball or any sports, like they identified as that. Yeah, I really hope like, my son's listening right now. <laughs> right? He graduates next Saturday and he's got a full ride to Iowa Westland. So wow, congrats. go Tigers. Yeah, congrats. That's huge. I'm sure Mama Bear is super pumped. Oh, both of us are just ecstatic. Yeah, congrats. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, just, just kind of not letting football identify them. It's like I create who I am. I don't let you know football create who I am sort of thing. So he, he just had a lot of good stuff to say a lot of huge nuggets that i took away from yeah and we'll definitely put the link to that interview yeah that that's one like show notes yeah character building and just building confidence and stuff on you know because he coaches kids now and stuff so yeah again not to just elaborate more but uh, that definitely obviously one stood out to me yeah and it's it's great to see that from such a different perspective yeah it is and there's i mean there's so many neat people in oil and gas and that's what i love about our industry is a lot of people it's it's a career after their career or it's something someone like myself is the only thing I know. But yeah, you get people from all walks of life that you can just learn so much from so many people. And because oil and gas is such a networking. Such a social. Yeah, it's such a no- social environment. It's an industry where we still do business deals face to face, or at least in our sort of business we do on the drilling fluid side. A lot of it's shaking hands, meeting in person. And yeah, it's not just like, you know, you go on Amazon and click something to buy it. Like, you can't do that with drilling fluids. It's a lot of, you know, interaction. It's a it's a people's business. So another reason why I really love it. That's good. That's good. Because I'm all about, I don't want to have to talk to you and just click, yeah. just do the Amazon model. And, and, and look, there's... <laughs> but I'm not a salesperson, so that's, sure. that's plenty. Yeah. And that's important too. You need the ability to, if you're buying commodities, to be able to go and like quickly access information, buy it and keep going. But when you're dealing with downhole operations or providing solutions for downhole drilling it's there's a lot of planning and discussion that's involved because every every well is is different right and so that's what makes it unique in itself is it's dynamic it's constantly changing oh yeah the environment's constantly changed so it's yeah it'd be neat though come to think of it if you could just go online and like buy xyz drilling fluid and and have it shipped i'm sure there'll be a platform eventually for that because everything's becoming more digitalized and automated so yeah actually i've 
a couple of years ago, I saw, I think it was Baker or someone, you could go online and you could like select what, what bit you wanted. And then it would send something to their sales team or whatever. And then it would somehow get executed and sent to the rig. But so I know there's companies already trying to do that. So. All right. So if you had one piece of advice to give our audience, what would that be? I would say just the obstacle is the way. And by that, I mean, if anyone reads, is into stoicism or whatever, Ryan Holiday has a few good books out there. And that's one of them that I've read. And that really kind of put a great perspective, gave me great perspective. And, and if, if you're heading up or you're facing challenge or adversity, don't steer away from it. Go towards it with 100 miles an hour and just beat it down. And so I find when I put myself in those uncomfortable situations and when there is an obstacle, I tend to go, I steer, I, I consciously now steer towards it. If there's a phone call I know I, I need to make, but I don't want to, if there's a conversation I need to have, whether it's with a customer, you know, a fellow employee, my wife, always do the hardest things first because then everything else will be much easier and you, there will be much less pain. Yeah. What kind of obstacles have you had to, if, oh, you, if, if you want to give it an example? Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of, of, I guess, who I am is because of, you know, obviously our past, but going back to working on drilling rigs, I was in high school, I was used to partying, being very social, wanting to be the popular kid, whatever. Like it was just part of who I was. And I, you know, I found it very easy just to, to be social. And I just enjoyed that part of life. And when I went to the rigs, I didn't want to do it. And my parents were like, you know, you have to, you're not coming home. You're not going to, you don't plan on going to school. So you're going to go out and you're going to, you know, challenge yourself in this environment. And it was an obstacle. And so I did it anyways, mainly because my parents forced me to, but I then realized that was where I've experienced the greatest growth. And it was kind of like a rite of passage for me. So that was, I guess, the first biggest obstacle that I faced was like going to an environment that I was extremely uncomfortable with because normally when I would show up somewhere, I knew people and it was fun. And hey, Justin, how's it going? And, you know, when I went to the rigs, like they didn't know who I was, what kind of football player I was who my friends were, who my girlfriends were. Like, they didn't care about that. And it sounds funny, but when you're 18, a lot of that stuff matters. Yeah, no, absolutely. Me. So going to there, they didn't give two craps about my past. It was like, can you work your butt off? And if so, then you'll gain respect. So that was a huge obstacle. And then going back to school was another obstacle. And now in sales, going into, you know, cold calling, those are huge obstacles. Could I sit there and type a generic email? Hey, so-and-so, I'm with so-and-so. Can I meet with you? Versus why not go to them face to face? Well, that's first off how email gets put in spam. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so doing the uncomfortable thing first by trying to meet with someone who probably is going to shut you down. So again, I, I always try now to consciously go towards the obstacle. So those are some examples. But I mean, every day we face obstacles, right? You always have decisions. Everything you do is a choice. Either you do it or you don't. And, and you're constantly, your mind's constantly you know, bringing in information and then every action that you take is a decision and there's easier ones and there's harder ones. And instant gratification is fine, but you'll never achieve greatness if you're constantly chasing the instant gratification. So I always yeah. remind myself, is this going to delay the gratification? Because the delayed gratification is going to be far greater than the instant. And typically there's an obstacle in the way. Yeah. And just go for it. Did you experience any of that starting your podcast? 
Oh yeah. I mean, there was definitely some challenges, you know, it's, this is like not being so close to the microphone. (laughs) Yeah. That was one. There's definitely obstacles technically that I face every day. Right. And yeah. So that was one of them there. Yeah. Reaching out to people who I have no idea, talking to someone and interviewing people that I don't know who they are. It's definitely, it's a, it can be an uncomfortable situation, but I embrace it. And, and I try not to, I try not to confuse excitement for anxiety yeah because they're both the same emotion it's just how you react to them is different so when in that sense i when i'm nervous it's because i'm actually excited so then i and i and i'm aware of that and then so that's kind of what helps me cope with with that obstacle if you will well just by listening you've completely fooled me <laughs> okay. you know, it sounded it sounded great you've done a wonderful job cool so very very glad to have you on our network yeah no and oggn has been just great support and i love what we're doing and and yeah, Julie and the whole team, everyone has been great. But again, I always welcome criticism. And, and so I'm glad that everyone's been like, hey, this isn't right. You need to change this. And I adapt and I go for it and, and away we go. But uh, yeah, it's been fun. So definitely some challenges, but everything presents challenges. So you just have to tell you react to them, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what book influenced you the most and why? So I mentioned Obstacles Away. That's one. But I think going back even further, there's two. The first book that I ever read, because I in high school I didn't read any books. I found a way just to. How'd you pass English? <laughs> uh, I had friends and <laughs> mo- normally girls that were I was friends with that would help me out. So I somehow negotiated my way into either getting answers or. So free, you already hey, knew you were a salesperson. Well, yeah. What's the plot and what's going to be on the test? And nine out of ten times they were right, and so I figured it out. And I I was got really good at reading upside down. Real? Oh, yeah. nice. <laughs> So. I'm pretty good at it myself too, so, <laughs> so but, but not for that reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so but the one book is by Tony Robbins, Anthony Robbins. Most people know who he is. He's this big, yep. you know, self help guru, whatever. Or I'm not your guru is his latest book. But he wrote one, Awaken the Giant Within. That was a very good book for me. And I read it actually well I was I think I was eighteen, working on drilling rigs. They kind of just gave me the confidence and just gave me a new perspective on life. And just it kind of helped expose the true potential that I had and and just made me look within and kind of helped me overcome some of the what I thought at the time was stress and uncertainty about life. It it just kind of helped put my mind at ease and gave me the confidence to sort of be somebody. So that was one. And then another one, if you're in the sales world or Anytime you deal with people, unless you sit behind a desk and just like look at numbers and stuff all day is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. And one of the best books I've ever read. And I actually have like notes on it that I refer to quite often that just deals with human psychology and how to handle people. The name's kind of deceiving, but it's an excellent book. And anyone that's in sales or business developments read it. It's it's like a stable book. But those are the two that I, I reference quite often, actually. So. All right. So what's your most used business tool? Uh, the internet. <laughs> <laughs> and to, to get more specific, I would say right now, if you were to ask me two years ago, I would say Excel. But now it's probably LinkedIn just by way of you know networking and brand building. The way oil and gas is marketing now is different than even a couple of years ago. So yeah, because I, I see you all over social media. I see you on Facebook. I see you on Insta. I see you on yeah. LinkedIn. And it's it's tremendous. Yeah, which is odd because I don't I like it, but it's 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 still an uncomfortable feeling for me. Like putting something on the LinkedIn or even Instagram, like putting yourself out there. 
some people thrive off it, but it kind of gives me like a slight anxiety. Like it gives me anxiety too. Yeah. Right. <laughs> in and, the same way. Yeah. So like I don't do it because I like it and I don't, you know, if I see all the likes, I get a huge dopamine rush because it's like gives me purpose. You know, I, right. you know, I'm, I'm definitely quite the opposite. I'm like an introvert, extrovert, I guess you could say. But those are very useful tools that I use nowadays to kind of help just build my network. And, and in sales, that's extremely important, especially in oil and gas. But what you also do is you provide value. You don't just post something up without providing a description of, of, of why this is important to you and and how it could be important to someone else. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing is there's a lot of fluff out there where people will post just to post and thinking that the algorithm is going to pick it up and people are going to just all of a sudden add them and use them. But the biggest thing is like creating value and content and, and quality content right. and information that people can use because that's what people are going to want to follow you for is not because whatever, you have a cool name or you dress nice or whatever, you have a cool saying, everyone's got motivational quotes, so I don't need to beat that down. But yeah. it's like create some, creating some information, creating good value for the internet world. Because in, in, in sales or in any market right now, it's so competitive. The, the amount of information out there that's free is unbelievable. And the amount that you can access is unbelievable. So to set yourself apart, like, you know, maybe a few years ago, you could throw stuff up on Instagram or on LinkedIn. And because not very many people were using it, it was you could become popular. But now it's like you got to be creative and you got to be putting stuff out there that it's going to help people, whether it's providing solutions, information so that they can learn. You know, a good laugh every once in a while is good, too. Those are always my favorites. Yeah. And so, yeah, you like make people feel good and it's all emotional. Right. So. But yeah, you kind of have to tap into all of it and get creative. And there's an art to it for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I have not mastered that by any means. I don't even put up hashtags half the time. I'm, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I'm, I just give my phone to someone else. I'm like, you do it, please. Yeah. No, it, it's a full-time job trying to keep up with it. And I, I don't keep up with it like our friend Josh. He is all over it. Like, I don't know how he finds time to do that. And he, and he edits his own pictures and everything. I had to laugh. He had one that he was like overlooking the city and he looked like it was like a penthouse suite. Yeah. And uh, he took a screenshot of it and sent it. He's like, what do you think about this? And I bugged him. I was like, how, how much, you know, did you pay to get that picture edited? And he's like, no, I did it myself. And so, he, you know, he's all about it. But uh, you have to be nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's important to be get out there and build a brand. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Who would you say is your most respected competitor? In the drilling fluids world, I would say New Park and Bayroid. Mm -hmm. Bayroid obviously is Halliburton. They're a huge global company. They've got a lot of great technology, a lot of great training. We compete with them pretty heavily. New Park's the same way. We're roughly the same size on a drilling fluid stamp from a drilling fluid standpoint. I would say us three are leading the way in in technology, and so trying to figure out how they're creating value for their customers and seeing how we can either, you know, not mimic it because you don't want to copy your competitors, but figuring out what they're doing and how we can make it better is always a challenge. So I would say them two are are definitely the ones that uh, keep a thorn in our side, if you will. <laughs> well, yeah, you got to keep it, you got to keep it moving. You got to get it out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And and competition breeds innovation. Yeah, um, absolutely. And so it's important that the market space has competition. Yeah. Because if not, you get complacent and mm -hmm. the rate of innovation and efficiency and it forces you to get better. And so, yeah, it's, it's good. It's good competition. So it's, it's what healthy. keeps us going. It is healthy competition. That's right. So of all of this, what is your most important lesson learned? Lesson learned. 
It's funny how lucky you get when you simply work hard. And that's something my dad told me. And and I kind of stand, I stand by that. And it's something, so my daughter's three and a half and that's a huge, I get her to repeat it to me. I'll say, honey, if you want to be great at gymnastics, what do you have to do? And she say, work hard, daddy. And I'll say, you know, if you want a cookie, what do you have to do? Work hard, daddy. And so I'm like constantly driving it home, work hard and you can do anything you want. And you may work hard and feel like you're spinning your wheels, but if, if you just continue to work hard, everything will fall into place. And that sounds very simple and, and cliche, but again, it's something my dad told me. And yeah, it's something that I always remind myself, the harder you work, the easier it'll be. Very good. Very good. Mm-hmm. So I added a new question. So cool. I'm going to try it out on you. Yeah, bring it. Why is your role currently important to the future of oil and gas? With regards to drilling fluids, I'm assuming? Yeah. Yeah, it's important. Well, the future of oil and gas, we're always going to be drilling wells. And what's important is... Not only on Earth, but they're talking about Mars. They're talking about the moon. They're of talking course. about all... The possibilities are endless here. Yeah, it is, right? You never know. In 50 years, like 50 years ago, you would have never been able to paint... a better picture than what we're doing today and so yeah if we're drilling in different planets i mean cool sign me up but it's important for myself to be you know an early adopter to try things and to innovate and the way they want to automate you know drilling they want to be able to drill wells sitting here in houston so being able to work with customers provide you new technology to the drilling space is important because ideally if you if you drill a well, like we're doing some things in West Texas, which is, you know, unique, we're eliminating casing strings because typically you have to set certain casing strings. At a certain depth. Yeah, to isolate either high pressure zones, yep. zones that cause issues. I mean, I don't want to get too technical, but finding ways to drill f- for longer and faster. And so if you do that, then because ideally, you know, obviously we're so locked into, I mean, everything's a function of commodity prices and oil prices. So the lower the oil price, the worse it gets because here's an X cost to drill and complete a well and, you know, we need to be pro. So the lower you can do your well cost for, the better you off, better off you are. And that's very basic. But if we can help operators drill for cheaper and faster, then that's what's going to keep us afloat and help protect ourselves from, you know, fluctuations in, yeah. in, in the market. So, yeah, being, you know, in my mid-30s, I have a long career ahead of me. I encourage mistakes and, you know, learn from failure. So I feel like, you know, for someone like myself, it's important to push the barriers and get customers that trust me in order to do that, to just evolve the drilling space. So I think that's going to be, you know, because we're always going to be drilling wells. So, yeah, if I can be part of, you know, innovative technology with regards to drilling, then I feel like I've helped advance the industry. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite podcast? My favorite podcast. So I have a few that I listen to. Mind Pump is is probably one of my favorite ones. You, you look like you would listen to something called Mind Pump. <laughs> no offense. I take but... the compliment. No, I love it. So they're a group of guys and don't hate me for this, but they're out of California and they're into health and fitness. And that's my passion. I mean, I've been in oil and gas since I was 18, but my side, my side passion is... Well, more more than half of our, our group is into health and fitness. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. And I mean, everyone to some degree is interested in that space. Right? I sure hope so. Yeah. I mean, if you want to be able to work hard and perform, 
you need to take care of your mind, your body, and your spirit. And so if you're not maximizing those, then how are you able to perform? So anyway, totally another topic for another day. But so Mind Pump, they're a group of guys, like I said, they have a lot of great free information with regards to health and fitness. They're very comical, down to earth. They talk about everything that's offside that you shouldn't talk about. So, and I have kind of an, an interesting sense of humor. So that's one that stands out. Joe Rogan, of course. Oh, I love Joe. Yeah, everybody does, right? If you listen to podcasts and you don't like Joe Rogan, then something's wrong. And I also really like Tim Ferriss. He mm-hmm. has some very interesting people that he interviews. And the way he articulates conversation, I actually listen to his, not always for the for the information that his guests are providing, but more to learn how to podcast and how to ask questions. And same with Joe Rogan, because they there's a reason they're at the top of their class. And the way that they carry a conversation and they flow in and out of questions and pull out some of the deepest things that people normally wouldn't say, I just find there's, it's such a unique art. And I like to learn how they do that. And I think by listening to it, I've somewhat picked up on some tips and things to, to help me in the interviewing world. Yeah. So uh, those are those are probably the top ones. And then there's a couple other ones, but I listen to all the Wall Street Journal ones more so just to kind of recap on, you know, what's going on in the world with regards to, you know, the market and finances and Boy, <laughs> all that stuff. There's all kinds, yeah, there's plenty of that going on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that wasn't a straight answer, but nothing. There's nothing straight answer want... coming from me. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine by me. Right. All right, so now here's Julie with Events on Deck. Hey everyone, it's Julie here with the Events on Deck for May 2019. We have our Midland Happy Hour on May 21st at Midland Beer Garden, and it will be from 6 to 9. And then we have our Houston Happy Hour, and it's going to be at the Cannon from 6 to 9 on May 28th. This month we have the... Oil and Gas Smart Contracts Conference on May 15th and 16th. And we will actually be launching another one of our new podcasts live from that event. So check it out. The link is in the show notes. We have the Merge Market Energy Forum on May 21st. At, it's in Houston. Just check that out in the show notes. And then we have a charity event, Golf for Good. That's a golf charity event for Redeemed Ministries. That's going to be on June 11th, 2019, and they are still looking for sponsors. So check that out in our show notes, and if you want to sponsor or register, just click the link in the show notes. And that is it for the month of May. Some events on deck in the the coming months. We have Shoot for the Future, a clay shoot on Friday, July 26th, and then... Napes and the the Napes Summer is coming up in August and that is it for our upcoming events. All right. Thank you again for joining me today, Justin. Thank you so much. I love being on your podcast. This is a blast. Yeah. It's it's so different because it's not you interviewing someone. Yeah. It's you being interviewed. It was. And I hate talking about myself, but you forced me to do it. So thank you again. (laughs) It's the Uh, coffee. There's something in the coffee. There's something in the coffee here at Capitol (laughs) Grill, which is a wonderful establishment here. And so thank you for having me here at Capitol Grill and City Center. It's a beautiful spot. Yeah. Yeah. Not so far away from work. Yeah. It was right down the road. (laughs) 
you want to plug anything before we go? Well, actually, yes, I do. If anyone out there is interested in oil field hockey, come join the Hack and Whack crew. We do it every third week at Memorial City Ice Rink. So it started off with a bunch of Canadian boys up in Denver, oil field folks that uh, started an oil field hockey league. And then we brought it down here. So again, anyone who like, so funny enough, I'm Canadian. I grew up snowboarding, so I didn't play hockey. The first time I put on skates and played a real game of hockey was like a few months ago. So you don't have to be a pro by any means. So if you're just even interested in playing hockey with some oil field folks, <laughs> hit me up on LinkedIn. I'll point you in the right direction. Come join us. And then, yeah, KTX Fit is out in Katy. So if anyone out there is looking to better themselves, health and fitness wise, we do lifestyle coaching, nutrition coaching, and overall great programming. And and if anybody doesn't know, Katie's on the west side of Houston. That's correct. Yeah. So west side of Houston, some people call it East Central. Antonio. Okay. <laughs> I haven't heard that. Yet. <laughs> yeah, it's. I get it all the time, especially for people that live in the loop and like, oh, you live in Eastern San Antonio. <laughs> Same thing with like people live in the woodlands or in Montgomery. They call it South Dallas. It's just everything's eventually going to be connected, right? Look, I used to live in Fort Worth. This ain't Dallas. You're right. <laughs> this ain't Dallas. True that. There's there's a huge imaginary line that yeah. separates a, a unique breed of people. <laughs> For sure. But no, thanks. And then if you're interested in podcasts, oil and gas on shore. Yeah, yeah. We'll put links for that in there. But if they want to reach out to you and get to know more about AES Drilling Uh, Fluids, how can they go about doing that? Yeah, AESfluids.com for Drilling Fluids. I'm big on LinkedIn. And if you want to see more about my personal life, which you probably don't, look me up on the gram. Yeah, do it. (laughs) Do it. All right. So that concludes this episode. So just remember, it's up to you to open the next door. Tune in next week for another intriguing episode of Bulwark's Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasindustryleaders.com.